When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Age of Radio. What's going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 209 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. I'm, yes, I'm Kevin, too. And this week, we are headed way down south on a road trip to way Mississippi. Down, way down yonder. No, it's not down yonder. It's just way down south. This is like... We're going to fucking blues country. That's yep. where we're headed. We're, uh, so we're going to go down to the Magnolia State. Um, Mississippi is mostly... Lowland tucked in between the Mississippi River Delta and the uh, Mississippi River Delta to the west and the Gulf Coast Plain in the east, with the highest point in the state being Woodall Mountain at a staggering 806 feet above sea level. What we round these parts call hills because 800 feet ain't shit. No, (laughs) but I mean, I guess when you're two of your neighbors are like damn near below sea level, 800 feet is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there's just about 3 million people scattered throughout the state, with 150,000 of them calling the capital city of Jackson their home. So, some fun facts about Mississippi, because you know we got to do that shit, because it's just how we've established the road trip at this point. Mm-hmm. Mississippi gets an average of 27 tornadoes a year, and the second deadliest twister in U.S. history was the Natchez Tornado in, uh, that killed 317 people and injured another 109. That was on May 6th of 1840. Wow. Big fucking tornado. I, wow, well, I didn't know that. That was obviously before they recorded them size-wise, but most likely in the F4-ish range. So not like a, not the biggest one, but pretty goddamn big anyway. Well, I mean, an F4 is pretty goddamn big. Yeah. I mean, it's not an F5, but... Well, it's F- still pretty fucking bad. I don't know how many F5s. There's been a few. What? You hear water dripping? Yeah. That's from the air conditioner. Oh. Oh, what the hell? If it's not dripping from this one, it's runoff from the one in our bedroom. Oh. R- dripping off. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I was just, I've gotten so used to it that I barely hear it anymore, you know? There's like a squirrel in the room. I was like, squirrel! No. Yeah, because I, uh, yeah, I mean, an F5 is... Yeah. I don't know how many F5s have actually ever hit. I've seen quite a few, but... <laughs> well, not that F5. You know. I mean, like, 
I think that there there was that one in the one, Kansas. The one that, that hit Joplin, huge. Missouri, I'm pretty sure was an F five. That real big one a few yeah, years oh, ago. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that was an F five. Because yeah. that killed a lot of fucking people, did a lot of damage. Or it could have just been an F four. I don't know. Who knows? The one oh, from I'm sorry, an E F four. I don't give a fuck. E F four fucking B C E. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm gonna call it one thing because it's just easier that way. Yeah. Mississippi has the highest population of African-Americans in the country, with 35% of the overall population being black, Mm. which doesn't sound like a lot, like, percentage-wise, but they they do have the highest concentration of African-Americans in the country. Um, Probably not per, like, square mile-ish kind of area, because then you'd have, like, New York City, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, where they're more compacted areas with more people living in them, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Mississippi is home to NASA's largest rocket engine test facility, which is the John C. Stennis Space Center, which is located in Hancock County. So the next time you think the people in Mississippi are fucking dumb, there's actual rocket scientists there. Really? There and in, I believe, uh, where's uh, Rocket City is in Alabama? I I have no clue. Because I know NASA's got another huge facility there. Um, I didn't know that there was a facility in Mississippi. Yeah. Huh. The first Coca-Cola bottle, uh, first Coca-Cola bottling plant opened in 1894. Back when they still put the cocaine in it. It actually wasn't cocaine. It's coca. Um, It actually was. It, it a... helped with like queasy stomachs and shit like that. It was an extract from the coca plant. No, which... but it, it, it actually, that wasn't what it was for. I, I was, this is funny. This is, I, I'm not. I'll debate it. I've just because I, I watched a uh, um, a documentary on it. The guy that came up with the formula got fucked over, almost like, about like the McDonald's guys. Okay, he was a what the hell is it? Um, He's a pharmacist or I chemist, th- whatever you want. Chemist. To call it. Yeah. I think that's difference. what he was, and he because um, he wanted to come up with something to help with his stomach. Yeah, because he had issues, mm-hmm. but then he he kept trying one thing after another, and and then then he suddenly like came up with this um, concoction, and he was like, "It tastes kind of good, but hmm, I wonder if I add some of this fucking seltzer or whatever the hell it was that he had to it. Right, add that to, like it, and he was like, "Wow, that really tastes good." But the part that helped with his but, stomach was the extract from the coca leaves. Because but it, he never, it, helps, it does the same thing with, like, altitude sickness and stuff But like it that. actually never really actually... It was never, like, refined cocaine, obviously. It never actually but, helped him, though. Well, um, gives a shit if it helped him or not. No. He's a goddamn but, trillionaire at this point. Well, well no. He's dead. He never was. He should have been. He should have been. But he kind of got screwed over because he needed the money. So, he's, like, this guy comes along and is like, hey, I'll, I'll buy that off you. Sold the recipe for a fucking song. Yeah. Like, fucking hardly nothing. And the guy's like, oh, hey, we're going to do this, this, and I'm going to make millions off of this. This one blew my mind. More than 750 battles during the Civil War took place in Mississippi. And the capital of Jackson was burned to the ground three fucking separate times. Did you say Civil War? Civil War. 750 battles were fought in in uh, Mississippi. And the capital was burned down three fucking times. Three separate times. Not like we burned down a section of it. No. 
It was burned down. It was rebuilt. It was burned down. It was rebuilt. It was burned. Yeah. Well, all three times for Sherman. Yeah, he... He was drunk the first... It, like, he was drunk for the first two. And then he was like, I think I may have done this. I'm not quite sure. I'm going to do it a third time. Yeah, William Tecumseh Sherman is definitely a fire-type Pokemon. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you yeah. know? Or it was uh, it was a, a dare from Grant. He was like, you, you weren't that drunk. You didn't do that. And, you know, he really wasn't as much of an alcoholic as people think he was. He drank, he drank frequently, but we're talking like three or four drinks and he was on his ass. He was a real lightweight. Yeah, but they were, they were drinking buddies. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he'd have like two or three like glasses of whiskey, like, you know, one to two fingers of whiskey, which is like four or five shots total over the course of the night. And he'd be fucking crawling across the room puking because he was a, yeah, he was a lightweight. I don't know. Grant was. Yeah. Um. He did smoke, like, somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, 52 barrels of cigars during the Civil War, though. Probably. Yeah. Because Abraham Lincoln told uh, said something to the effect of, uh, we saw how well uh, Grant was doing. He said something like, find out his favorite brand of cigars and send him a barrel. <laughs> Motherfucker loves cigars. And... I mean, between him and Sherman, you know? I mean, they Well, Sherman were... just liked him because he liked to watch the fire. He liked to watch things burn. It's true, but they they also liked each other because they were it like... It made his soul hard. They're like, just, you know... <laughs> you, you like to drink? I like to drink. Another one's like, but you like fire. Ah. So I like to watch fire. You know? Yeah, like, Tecumseh was that weird kid in class. Like, you guys went... Did, like, a, a picnic or a camp out or something. Yeah. He would just stare at the flames and just talk about how much you love fire. <laughs> And he wants to see it consume everything. Yeah. Georgia. Oh, Georgia. I'm going to burn your ass to the ground. It is going down. Our last fun fact, which is not really all that fun. Mississippi is the poorest state in the country. They're also towards the tail end of the education levels. And um, I did learn a fun fact about our glorious home state. We're in the top five for the first time in something. And it's not something good. Crack. We're in the top five most expensive states to live in in the country. Yeah. Which is why I need to fucking leave. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some dumb laws because they got some good ones. Okay. In Temperance, Mississippi, if you plan on walking your dog down the street, it best be wearing diapers. What? You have to diaper your dog in city limits if you're outside because they don't want you. They don't even want you to pick your dog shit up. If you're going to walk your dog, he's got to shit his pants. Or it can't, or has to pee itself. Yeah. Which seems like a fucking mess. Like, yeah, no. man, I'm changing like baby diapers and that's a mess. And I've picked yeah. up dog shit before and that's a mess. I can't yeah. imagine if you mixed the two. No. Especially if you've got a dog with long hair like I do, where you'd have to basically spray her off outside with a hose every time. First she... off, hey, I want to know how is a dog. I mean, you have to train your dog to if it's a male. To piss in a diaper. I, I don't know. I mean, we have to diaper our dog every once, you know, like every so often because she's not fixed. But that's because we don't want crotch blood all over our furniture. But yeah, you know, and they're really not even diapers. It's just, I mean, it's a diaper, but it's not. <sighs> but if she anyway. has to go out, but if she has to go outside, she lets yeah, you we, know. Yeah, we peel the fucking diaper off. We don't let her piss in it because that's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, uh, these guys want you to piss in the in the diaper. One of my Fuckers. favorite dumb laws I've ever read. Okay. Hazelhurst, Mississippi, you cannot fish with an Uzi. Okay? Well, that's fucking bullshit. But here's where you get your gun show loophole. Okay. It doesn't say anything about fishing with a Mac-10 uh-huh. or a fucking Tech-9 or anything like that. 
you could you could fish with a full automatic clock if you want to. Yeah. You just can't fish with a newsie because they don't like Jew guns. Uh, apparently. But I guess. Uh, okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, could you technically fish with a PPSH? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, or an MP40, maybe. I mean, everybody likes to fish with a... You don't need to fish with a Thompson. That's too much. What do you mean? 45 caliber fish is too much. Stop. Yeah. Maybe I'm being... They have an ocean, okay? Maybe I'm being a FUD here, but 45 is a little much for fish, son. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean... It might not be. I think fishing with an air rifle would be a lot of fun, though. Like one of them big-ass CO2-powered ones. You know, you just peg a trout in the fucking head and watch it float back up. I'd like to go bow fishing too, but my cousin does that. I guess they do it on Lake Champlain now. He says it's fun, but uh, in Columbus, the fine for waving a gun around in public is actually less than if you just whipped out a handgun and fired it off in the air. Oh, yeah, <laughs> good to know. Statewide, you can get hemmed up for walking around town with a boner. You're not allowed to be aroused in public. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's I a mean, state law. That's that's kind of like standard, you know. I mean, you can't get written to take it here if you're walking down the street with a boner. Only if it's like out and you're doing stuff with it. You true, can... true. Even though technically in Vermont, if you leave your house naked, they can't do anything. But if you leave your house clothed and then get naked, you can get arrested. We've got a weird state statute about it. Uh, got some really stupid shit going okay. on here. Mormons need not apply. It is illegal to teach or practice polygamy. So, well, Utah... Oh, it's a very, very like, you know, Catholic, you know, Southern thing. That polygamy is just fucking weird, though. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, how you watch these dudes on sister wives. How much fucking money do you make when you have five wives and each one of them has a house and a car? What are you do? Are you selling drugs? That's the only explanation. First off, I, I think that they bought the houses, I, the wives. I don't care. I don't want to listen to my wife bitch about stuff. I don't want to listen to four other women that I'm also married to bitch about stuff. See, too. that's why he goes from house to house because he doesn't listen to them bitch. He goes, you know what? I'm going to go with the other one. That's and a dude she, that's going to shoot himself in his car one of these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he, he just does the rotation. You know, they're bitching. I don't want to go to them. I'll go to this one. They're not bitching. Okay. But they started bitching. And we're not uh, saying anything negative about women here. We're more saying things negative about the weird branch of Mormons. Like I've met regular Mormons before. They're super cool. Yeah. They got a ton of kids. That's fine. Whatever. They're nice people. That's when you get into like the FLDS and that shit where you're like, Oh man, you're one of Warren Jeff's like 450,000 kids. He was a piece of shit. I'm yeah. glad he's dead. Uh. I'm glad he's dead. There's a special place in hell for people like that. Um, now let's get into, Oh, I got one more. Oh, there's still a law on the books statewide. That if you're caught cattle rustling, you can be hung. Still. Cattle rustling? Yep. Oh, yeah? So if you steal your neighbor's cattle, they can still hang you. I don't... I don't, like... I don't know. I have a hard time with that one because I just don't see Mississippi as a a cattle, like, rich I mean, the northern area. parts of it are pretty dry. I just... I, I don't know. I just don't see it as that. It's like, so, like... I don't know why. Partly up the north, you get cattle, and then the rest of it's crawfish. You know what I mean? So some famous folks from Mississippi. Okay. Fred Phelps, founder of the fucking, um, what the hell? Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, God damn it. He's that ass. He runs that asshole church that protested, like, 
uh, veteran funerals and do the like whole God hates fag signs and stuff like that. Westboro Baptist Church. There, ah. those guys. Yeah, yeah, him. He's dead and rotting in hell. So oh. he picked the wrong team. Uh-huh. Um, huge piece of shit. Anybody that, that protests a veteran's funeral, it's like God loves dead soldiers. Yeah, I hope you get skull fucked to death. He likes live soldiers a little bit better, but you know. uh, yeah, but this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, like I'm not in favor of burning churches down, but if that one got struck accidentally, hypothetically by lightning, <laughs> and the doors were happened to be chained shut with everybody in. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be. Listen, maybe I can get on YouTube and just call a Norwegian and be like, hey, fella, How would I will you... buy you all the grease paint you want if you come over and just fucking nuke this thing. I'm not advocating violence. I just think it'd be funny. Uh, there is so many are. goddamn blues musicians from Mississippi, believe it or not. You know, the yeah. home of the fucking blues. Yeah. Bo Diddley, B.B. King, Muddy Waters, Robert Johnson, John Lee Hooker, Willie Dixon, all from Mississippi. And there's there's a few more. Uh, those are just like a handful of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The King himself, Elvis Presley, is from Mississippi. Um, man that profited off of suffering of black musicians <laughs> generations before him. But hey, he was white and he swung his hips around and he made parents uncomfortable. So, hey, that's how it goes, man. Also, his last words before he fucking died on his toilet were, I'm going to go to the bathroom and read, believe it or not. Then he overdosed on, uh, oh, Percocet or whatever the fuck it was. It's probably, oh, shit. <laughs> if, it had, if it had been West Virginia, it definitely would have been fucking uh, Percocet that he'd overdosed on. Y'all, I'm going to go take a shit. <laughs> they'd have heard just grinding him up, that <laughs> yeah. hillbilly heroin going and... He had a busted last tooth out on the fucking shitty old tile in there. Anyway, <laughs> there is also a ton of goddamn football players from specifically football players, I should say, because there's like a baseball player here, or there, a couple of basketball players. Mm-hmm. This is just a handful of the of the football players from Mississippi. We've got the father of the world's largest forehead, Archie Manning's. <laughs> One of the best, most underrated quarterbacks of his generation, in my opinion, Steve McNair, who also met a fairly tragic end, is from Mississippi. Yeah. Brett Favre is from Mississippi. Oh, Favre. Yep. Got really good at sending dick pics to people. Mm. Deuce McAllister, Saints running back for a little bit there from Mississippi. Mm. And two, in my opinion, two of the best to ever step on the field. Jerry Rice and Walter Payton. Anybody that wants to argue about either one of those guys being like top five all time in their position, I cordially invite you to suck it because there's no, no, there's no argument. No, I mean, they named a fucking award after Walter Payton for just being a good person. I, I, okay? I, I, I can't disagree <laughs> you with know? you because I mean, I think you're totally, totally right on the fact that, um, that he is, that both of them are, yeah. I mean, yeah. You and keep... Jerry Rice was undersized for a wide receiver, too. But Wasn't Jesus Christ, could he jump? My God. For the time, he was pretty small for a reason. I mean, if you were to compare him to today's wide receivers, he's undersized. Because he was only like six foot. You guys out there now that are fucking six foot five and, you know. Really? Was Jerry Rice that short? I, I want to say he was only like six foot, six foot one. He wasn't very tall. Huh. 
No, he was 6'2". Is he 6'2"? But still. I mean... Put him up against Megatron, who's fucking 6'6", six six and just like six, a six freak five. athlete. Yeah. Yeah, he but He would have eaten Jerry Rice's okay. breakfast. First man, off, but a guy that was 6'1", and played defensive back or tailback, would have eaten that motherfucker alive. Maybe. And he did plenty of times. Who? Deion, Deion Sanders. Sanders. Deion Sanders is a different, completely different <laughs> fucking type of athlete, though. He was a fucking freak. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say Bo Jackson, but he's pretty fucking close. I think he was uh, better than Bo Jackson. Dion kind of knows baseball. Bo knows baseball. Bo knows football. Yeah, but Dion was a lot better, I think. <sighs> I don't know, dude. I th- yeah. Bo Jackson did less cocaine, though. I know that for sure. <laughs> but he also didn't play for the fucking Falcons when they were terrible. I, I oh no, they're still they bad. They're still they bad. But that bad. I mean, they but weren't still. that good either. They were but, in a shitty division too. Still, that was fucking mustard shirt, like mustard uniform Buccaneers. Still, what that generation? Like, oh no, that was like they were orange. bad. Well, yeah, fucking yeah, it's like a terrible mustardy orange color. It was awful. I mean, I mean man, they were great. Now we got a bunch of fucking fair weather fans because they got that giant goofy Pollock and Tom Brady, you know. Oh, Tampa Bay. Do you know how many people that I know that I've been a diehard Patriots fan my entire fucking life? Do you know how many people I know that are like, oh, I love the Patriots. And then when Tom Brady left, they're like, fucking Tampa Bay's my favorite team ever. Yeah, name two other fucking quarterbacks I've ever had. <clears throat> Tampa Bay? Yeah. Not asking you. I'm asking the Fairweather fans. Because, uh-huh. I mean, like, Jameis Winston fucking... Uh, I'm pretty sure Vinny Test have already played for him. Because he played for every goddamn team in the league. I don't know. Uh, somebody will correct me. I'm not sure. Anyway. I have no fucking clue, man. And believe it or not, for being way down south, a bunch of country singers, too. No shit. Jimmy Buffett. Tammy Wynette. Two of my mom's all-time favorites. Charlie Pride and Conway Twitty. All oh. from Mississippi. Yep. Nice. Yep. I didn't realize either. I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't realize any of those are from. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where really anybody's from. In this I was things. like, man, I really hope George Jones is from Mississippi. But yeah. He's not. No. He's from Texas. Oh. So keep an eye out, Texas. You're going to get that one. Yeah. <laughs> A fucking possum. I love George Jones. <laughs> yep. Go. So anyway, that's all I got for that stuff. You want to? Uh, you want to lead us in? Yeah. So yeah, this week I am covering a name that Kevin mentioned. Yep. And you're very hear- quickly, and I did it yeah. on purpose. And you're hearing some of his music in the background. Yeah. Robert Johnson. Oh, goddamn, this guy was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big blues guy, but Robert Johnson is like right up there. Yeah. Uh, Muddy Wa- BB King obviously is fucking excellent, but yes, I, I actually had never. I heard heard some of his stuff, but um, I never like really. Heard it? I just heard like clips of it. it. Yeah. yeah, and I, I actually after doing the research and stuff, actually had listened to a few of his epi- uh, episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. What's, just... what's your favorite episode of Robert Johnson? <laughs> one or two. The uh, one that you just heard is uh, "Hellhound on My Trail," yeah. by the way, which is like it's one of his better known songs. Obviously, yeah. I mean, and I'll mention a few others. And he didn't okay. really record a lot either because he didn't get much of a chance to. Like he he was pretty Yeah, he was and, young. And the thing is is like he was he was he was a little bit older when he first started playing guitar too, right? No. Oh, he he played from the time he was a kid? Yeah, he was young. Okay. 
So yeah, yeah I'll just let you get into it because yeah. I always I always heard the stories of like he just fucking picked up a guitar and was playing one no. night. I'm like mm. no, so probably um, gets into a little bit of that lore. Yeah, so he was a musician who wrote and sang songs. He also was a well-known guitarist. He has had a few movies that are based uh, about him and around his stuff. There's yep. a a movie called I think it's Crossroads, but it's which is based around his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that has um, oh god damn it! All I can think of is Karate Kid. Um, what's his name? Pat Morita? No. Oh, uh, uh, Danny Bonaducci or whatever the no, his name is. I don't no, know. That's not it. No. Um, uh, Ralph Macchio. Yeah. Ralph yeah. Macchio. That's in it. And it would have been so much better with Pat Marina though. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Pat Marina and blackface playing guitar. <laughs> oh my God. He looks like Yoda anyway. Actually. Oh, that um, so good. It was, it was, uh, not so much about, it was like about, um, kind of getting to, Killing, songs of you're his killing me man i was really hoping yeah no <laughs> robert johnson this little like 75 no. year old japanese man walks on stage like the fuck is going on here? yeah like, like i said based around his stuff like yeah. not about him but around his stuff there is other ones that are based on about him um there's also an episode of supernatural where they mention him um oh yeah and if you've ever seen oh brother where yeah the uh the, the black guy that they meet up with at the studio is also a he's loosely based on Robert Johnson. Okay. Because he like he couldn't play shit and then all of a sudden he's just fucking up there just huh. ripping that fucker up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen this show, so I You've never I, seen No Brother? No. Oh my god, it's so good. No, I haven't seen it. And the guy that did that actually recorded that song that's in there, my dad used to smoke weed with in high school. Yeah. Because he's from West Rutland. Yep. Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. <laughs> uh, so Robert was born in a town that actually Kevin mentioned uh, for one of the um, laws. Which one? Uh, Hazelhurst, oh. Mississippi. Nice. Uh, in, er- the, in early 1911. You now, know when it was really easy to be a black person in the South? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Law Jim Crow laws. Ah! Um, never no, heard of him. I did see a picture on a gravestone that I'm guessing is... Um, that's his that has um, the date of May 8th in it. Now, I'm not sure if um, they put that on there to have kind of a little bit more of an accurate date mm-hmm. just because it's kind of one of those um, uh, like a famous person marker type thing. Right. So you got to have something. You can't just say circa... You know, 1911. It's kind of like Sonny Liston, where they're like, he was either born this year or 15 years after that. Yeah. Because, believe it or not, most hospitals didn't really give much of a shit about, you know, when black people were born. No. Because, you know, racism and shit. So what is known is that his mother, Julia Major Dobbs, uh, who was the daughter of slaves, and she had 11 children. And Jesus. of the 11 children, only 10 of them uh, were with Charles Dodds, uh, who was a sharecropper, share, uh, sharecropper, sharecropper, which was just a legal slave, um, who was basically, yeah, um, who was her first husband. 
But sharecroppers were not exclusively black because there were white no, sharecroppers also. Very much. Because everybody fucking poor in Mississippi. Yes. It's a, it's not a new thing. It's no. a <laughs> it's kind of a running well, theme. After the Civil War, it hit hard. Yeah, like they haven't times recovered were, from the Civil yeah, War. Times were hard. <laughs> Uh, Robert's father was a farmhand by the name of Noah Johnson. They probably still take those and CSA boxes, like fucking Dollar General and stuff down there, too. Probably. No. Um, and not much is known about uh, Noah. So, you know, I couldn't really, like, I couldn't find anything about him. So, because, you know. Again. He's yeah. just one of those run-of-the-mill farmhands that yeah. was, like, here one day and not the next. Um, Poof so... Robert was a, so to speak, a bastard child. Yeah. And dad went out for a pack of smokes and just, yeah, he might've been the first dad that went out for a pack of smokes. <laughs> it never came back. <laughs> uh, he was raised uh, for most of his life in various plantations in Mississippi. Then they briefly settled down in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Good place to be if you want to play music. Yeah. While he was in Memphis, uh, Tennessee, uh, this young boy's world uh, opened up. He attended school discovered popular music while his older brother taught him how to play guitar. Now, I'm not sure what was going on um, between him and his mom, but he was living um, at this point with his stepfather, uh, Charles Dodds. I was wondering if mom mom couldn't take care of him. Get fucking 10 kids. I mean, I don't know. Um, because mom, at this point, had let when he was going to school and everything, she had already left. Oh, mom bounced. Mom bounced. Mom went out for a pack of smokes. Mom went out for a pack of smokes, got remarried to her second husband, Dusty Willis, and they lived in <laughs> Robinsonville, Mississippi. I can't tell if Dusty Willis is an old-timey pro wrestler or a baseball manager. He's well, both. <laughs> both. You know, pro wrestler during the winter. And play the Houston the, the Houston Astros have just hired <laughs> Dusty Willis as their AAA affiliate manager because yes. he's not as good as Dusty Baker. No, who that dude's fucking hilarious too. Yeah, there's some stories about him with fucking him and uh, was it Roger Clemens back in the day? They they fucking got into it over something, and there was uh, it might not have been Roger Clemens, whoever it was, big fucking big name baseball player. Yeah. Went into Dusty's office and they started fucking yelling and he walked out with a bloody nose like almost in tears and Dusty's like, you don't ever fucking come into my office and talk to me like that. Uh, Probably not him because Roger never dude, played for him. Dusty Baker looks like everybody's like black grandpa. If you've ever seen him, he is just he's a majestic little he, bastard. He's kind of like he's I don't think he ages. He doesn't. If they had decided, um, you know, um, okay, I want to interrupt you. You know, another one that I swear Never two two guys never really age, as far as like as long as I watch them play or be managers. Mm-hmm. Time of the sorta. Uh, <laughs> you seen him lately? No. The drinking has caught up with him. Um and um 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 oh fuck what's his name? Oh, god damn it! I, I can picture him. Jim Leland? No. He used to manage the Tigers? No. Because that guy look, has looked like he was 70 years old since, like, the 1950s. No. Um, it's the lucky strikes that keep him young, because that motherfucker, like, I remember seeing videos of him smoking in the dugout. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, he was the goddamn manager for the Braves. Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox. Yeah. yeah he was always an old man. Yeah. Like, yeah. But he was, like, forever, like... He was ancient. Yeah. He was, yeah. Just, he was eternal. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure Braves fans out there will be like, yeah, he was. 
Yeah. Fucking uh, Joe Torre. Same thing. The guy looked like that when he was playing. Like, <laughs> ugly fuck. True. You know? Well, anyway. But now um, they've got, like, sexy managers like Gabe Kapler and shit. True. Which, like, Who that's... dyes his hair, dyes his beard. I mean, I he's a handsome bastard. Like, you might as well. Yeah. You know, so that little shit Brad Osmus for the Tigers, he's fucking five foot three. All right, he, all right. he was a catcher. He didn't have to squat. He just stand there. It's true. Uh, we'll stop talking about baseball. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so Robert, living in Tennessee, would eventually go back to Mississippi after a few years. Right. So he didn't really spend too long. There. I would hope so, because if not, he wouldn't qualify for this episode. They'd um, make you do something else yeah. on the spot. With having um, the music bug already and moving back to Mississippi, he'd want to learn more. And this would mean he would go into, um, you know, get into music even more. Yeah. um, And stay in it for the rest of his life. He would take up playing the Jew's harp, also called the... The finger harp. The Jew's jaw. uh, No. Uh, Jew's harp. Or uh, Goombard. It's a musical instrument consisting of thin wood or metal tongue fixed to one end and each uh, to the base of a uh, two-prong frame. So, like, some, I guess you, like, blew through it or something. Hold on here. Uh, that's what I was guessing because it didn't seem like you... Let did... me put myself on a watch list by Googling yeah. Jews Harp real quick. <laughs> I actually, I Googled it, so... Um, and he I googled also, way worse shit than that. And he also uh, would play the harmonica. Looks like um, a fucking key. Looks like a tuning fork, almost. Like, how does this? I don't know. But any of our Jewish listeners, let us know how the fuck this thing works. No, that's not. Yeah, <laughs> it said that um, while he was um, in Robinsonville, he would start to attend uh, juke joints in the town that were very popular. No, attended juke, what? Juke joints. Okay. So juke joints were music, music bars, like jukeboxes, right? No. Oh. Um, were segregated stores or private houses that doubled as after-hours recreation places. So it's like a black honky tonk. It was basically uh, black um, uh, speakeasies. Okay, fair okay. enough. Yeah. Um. But segregated to just blacks. Well, yeah, because obviously they can't mingle with white people. It's the fucking early 1900s. Well, they could have, but the whites didn't want No, they couldn't. There. It was against the law, well, which is fucking stupid still. So going to these juke joints was how his legendary career began. In 1929, he would marry at the age of 16 or 19, according to whichever source you look yeah. at, because it's not correct. Sorry, folks, but sometimes, you know, information isn't right. There's literally information that you can't find. Yeah. Um, What is right is that he would marry a girl by the name of Virginia Travis. That was his first wife. And unfortunately, she would die just a year later while in childbirth. Yeah. Uh, Pretty common back then, unfortunately. He would marry his second wife in 1931, not too long after. And she would also, unfortunately... Uh, die within a few years. Demon sperm. So, and I think at this point, I probably would just say fuck it and not marry again. Yeah. And I don't think he ever did. Well, I mean, if you were literally like banging women to death, I'd probably stop too. Yeah. Um. So in Robinsonville, he came in contact with masters of the Mississippi Delta Blues, 
<laughs> Sounds like an evil villain group. We're well, the masters of the Mississippi Delta. These are and the only guys, this one particular part of it at that. These are the guys that you wanted to be around to learn the blues. Mashed Potato Johnson. Uh, Willie Brown. Somebody will get that. Uh, Charlie Patton and Sun House. All of whom influenced his playing and none of whom was particularly impressed by his talent. <laughs> House recalled... You're good, you're, but you're just like, you're all right, you know? Well, I'm going to tell you how, how how impressed they were. House recalled that, quote, he blew harmonica and he was pretty good with that, but he wanted to play guitar. Well, Johnson's uh, guitar skills, uh, according to House, were less than stellar. In fact, the elderly musician referred to his attempts as, quote, such a racket you've ever heard. <laughs> Uh, get that guitar away from that boy, people would say. He's running people crazy with it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> These comments would come from uh, John, for, uh, for, uh, would come to Johnson during his sets. Like, that was um, the nicest way I've ever heard somebody yeah. say, you fucking suck at this, stop doing it. They probably did. Um, so, and he would actually get on stage during the intermissions of like Willie Brown, Charlie Patton, and Sunhouse. Oh, he's the piss break act. Yeah. Yeah. He would just get up on stage and start playing. Um and he would attempt to play his songs to show everybody that he could play. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out so well. So this is when um he would be scolded by the likes of House and the rest of the town. This upset him so much that he would pack his shit up and including his guitar and beat feet out of town yeah now he would be gone for around a year some sources say two and he then he would come back and he would be a lot fucking better well spoiler alert it's because he went to the himalayas and he practiced with the the llamas and shit no um so he did something really upbeat like that i don't know no not no. or maybe he no uh, don't spoil it. So now I'm, I'm sure of uh, some of you are wondering why I'm covering this guy. Oh, I know why. Well, we're covering him because of the legend that comes from his strange disappearance and then his reappearance and being vastly improved. He went over and was fighting for the IRA and they taught him how to play guitar in the offseason. You fucking know it. Yeah. IRA don't war in the winter. So, no, you know. they don't. Definitely not. Yeah. Or he went down to Mexico, you know. Well, he went to he went to Ireland and like, well, we don't have guitars here yet, so here's a mandolin mm. and a banjo. Okay. And they're like, okay, if you can play these two, okay, you probably play guitar, right? All right. All then right. he went to Hawaii and he played with that guy that did uh, somewhere over the rainbow and learned uh-huh. ukulele. Uh huh. Then just kind of like slammed it all together into a guitar. Uh huh. That's no, not, none of that's true. No. <laughs> no. So now here's the legend uh, that surrounds Robert. Johnson, yeah, he went to the crossroads. The crossroads, as a matter, and he got his talent. Yeah, people say Robert Johnson went out one night to the crossroads of two highways in the Mississippi Delta. The legend says he stood. There were fucking dirt roads, and we all know it. (laughs) He legend says he stood at the crossroads for a long time. Yep. Uh, At exactly midnight, a large man dressed in black appeared. Those who believe the legend say the black man in black was the devil. Robert Johnson begged the devil to make him a talented musician. The devil agreed on one condition. 
The devil promised to make Robert Johnston the greatest blues musician in the world in return for Johnston's soul. Sam and Dean were just, they just missed him. Yeah, just like fucking five minutes behind if they hadn't had to stop. I mean, if he actually took, see, if he actually was good and, you know, nobody ever makes a deal with God. Have you noticed that? True. Do you notice that? You want to know why? Because you're like, maybe he'll help. Maybe he's busy. Devil, maybe. Mm. Or he likes music. I mean, he does. I mean, I mean, you know, we know God doesn't, obviously. You know, I mean, we know who who. I mean, blues for a long time was considered the devil's music. Yeah. Um, you know, then up into the eighties, it was like rock and roll and shit, and you know, so devil worshippers like Elvis Presley existed. And meanwhile, so with little thought, Robert agreed. Of course, when, why not? Fuck it. Uh, so when Robert Johnson reappeared in the Mississippi Delta music scene, he was talent a talented blues musician. He could sing, write music. And even play the guitar. In fact, when Johnson played, people swore that they heard two guitars. Audiences would look around, searching for the second guitarist. Who was playing with him? No one ever saw the second guitarist, leading many to believe the devil himself was playing alongside Johnson. Probably. Others believed that Johnson was somehow able to make his own guitar sound like two. So... Friends of Johnson have uh, given conflicting testimonies as to whether the singer himself ever endorsed the tale. And two of his songs most often associated with the story are Crossroad Blues and the song that you just heard, um, which was uh, Hellhound on My Trail. Um, Make no mention of an unholy encounter. So even though they do say, you know, devil he says the devil you know showed up and everything now you're gonna talk about the whole like turning around on stage thing or uh if not i can bring that up here um actually i never i never saw anything oh. in regards to that so what it may not be true but one of the other stories was like when he'd be up on stage playing like when people would you know hear the two guitars as they were talking about a lot of people said that he would turn around towards the wall so that you couldn't see what he was doing with his hands and that's another reason why they're like, oh, it's the fucking oh. devil, because he's, you know, he yep. won't let us see what he's doing. Uh-huh. Even though he probably just, you know, learned how to play guitar and yeah. tweak some shit that people well, have never heard before. Oh, I'm going to tell you on how he, how he actually learned what he did, what happened. He already did. He made a deal with the devil. No. I mean. So the, the, now the truth is that he didn't do a deal with the devil, uh, um, but he did get better and go back playing good but he got better by honing his craft under <clears throat> under the instruction of Ike uh, Zenman um, as a result of a, of the financial support he received from an older woman he married near Hazelhurst, Mississippi. He met this real groovy white kid named Marty McFly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And to the uh, wide variety of music to which he was exposed to during his hiatus from Robinsonville, including... The single string picking styles of Lonnie Johnson and Scrapper Buckwell, uh, Blackwell. Sorry. Uh, after returning briefly to Robinsonville, Johnson settled in uh, Helena, Arkansas, where he played uh, with Elmore James, oh, Robert, yeah. no shit, uh, Robert Nighthawk, and Howlin' Wolf. 
yeah. among others. I remember. I know two of those names out of that. I didn't know. I don't know a single one of them. Elmore James is a pretty big name. Hmm. Okay. No. Um, he also became involved with uh, Estella Coleman, informally adopted her son. Uh, informally, I'm sorry, informally adopted her son Robert Lockwood Jr., who later became a notable music, a notable blues musician, hmm. under the name Robert Junior Lockwood Johnson. Uh, I mean, he had a hell of yeah. a mentor, you know. Yeah. Uh, Johnson traveled widely throughout Mississippi, Arkansas, Texas, and Tennessee, and as far north as Chicago and New York, playing at house parties, juke joints, and lumber camps, um, <laughs> and on the street. Fucking lumber camps, yep. just randomly. Uh, and yeah, he'd occasionally pick up a gig at a construction site, too, you know, you never know. <laughs> you never know. And somewhere between 1936 and 37. He made a series of records in a hotel room in San Antonio, Texas, and in a warehouse in Dallas. He would often tour with fellow bluesman uh, Johnny Shines, who later recalled that Johnson was always neat and tidy, despite days spent traveling dusty, the dusty Delta highways. Shines also shared that Johnson was just as likely to perform other people's songs as well as his own during um, growing in his growing repertoire, on any given night, rocking some covers. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Uh, any given night, he set uh, might as- his set might have included material from Bing Crosby, Blind Willie uh, McTell, who I actually listened to some of his stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Now I thought a little bit of Rush, some you know, no early Metallica, uh, Lonnie Johnson, and oh. Jimmy Rogers. Well, I guess I'll go fuck myself then. Yes. Uh, like many of his peers, Johnson performed songs that his audience requested, songs that earned him money. Around 1936, Johnson paid a visit to H.C. Spear, a record uh, shop owner and talent scout in Jackson, Mississippi. Like many of his contemporaries, Johnson wished to put his music on tape. On November 23rd, 1936, Johnson traveled to, back to San Antonio to record his first of 23 sides with Law. Uh, the artist was allegedly paid around $100 for several days of work. Damn. The following, I mean, back then, that's a ton of money. Yeah. The following June, he returned to Texas, this time working for Law as, at a studio in Dallas. These sessions taking place over a total of five days produced Johnson's uh, entire catalog of records. I'm sorry, uh, the catalog of recordings, nearly all of which uh, have become standards in the blues canon. After his final recording session in 1937, Johnson performed around Texas, accompanied by Johnny Shines. They played informal juke joints, parties, in dances, just as they had always done. Yeah, roadsides, farm stands. Yep. Before a field with nobody around. Of course. I mean, you know, what the hell, Why right? Why the fuck not? You yeah. know? Before heading back to Mississippi. Details of the rest of this year are slim. So, I mean, you know, you don't really know much about it. Right. Uh, what is known is that Robert spent some time in Memphis and in uh, Helena, uh, Arkansas during this time. Uh, he also what now on 
August 16th of 1938, he would die in Greenwood, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was only 27 years old. Yeah, he was the original member of the 27 Club. Yeah. His death remained unreported for 30 years uh, without a formal autopsy, and the public has been left to speculate on the cause of death, adding to the lore that surrounds Johnson. Yeah. Debt paid. Through a variety of, of accounts, including those of, by fellow blues artists David Honeyboy Edwards and Sonny Boy Williamson, we know that Johnson spent the last few weeks of his life playing regularly at juke joints attached to the Three Forks store just outside of Greenwood. In one version of the story, Johnson flirted with a woman at, at, it, at the party, <sighs> yep. possibly the wife of the store's owner and was poisoned by her jealous husband. He became so sick that he had to be taken into Greenwood, where he perished. That's such a pussy way to kill somebody. Yeah. You know, Jesus. Um, I'm going to put something in your food that you don't even notice it. Now, one of the big names that everybody will know, or I think everybody should know, that uh, he came to be an influencer for was... Stevie Wonder. No. None other than Eric Clapton. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, because Eric Clapton did. That Eric Clapton, you know, rewrote Crossroads. Yep. And then the fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers did it, and it was goddamn terrible, like everything else they've ever done. They did? Yeah, dude. They did. Oh. And it was terrible. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I'll probably get some flack for this. I fucking hate the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I like them. I, blech, just, I like them. Well, it's only... like Pearl Jam. Yeah. Yeah, never, never got it. Didn't get it. Didn't yeah, like it. It's okay. Yeah, you don't have to like everything. No, but there's like bands like I can't believe you don't like fucking Pearl, uh, uh, Pink Floyd. No, don't like fucking Pink Floyd. Never did. Never will. I don't know anything. I didn't. I mean, Led Zeppelin on the other hand, like thumbs up on that. But like, there's certain bands that exist at the same time as each other that you kind of have to like one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, people are like, oh, you either like the Rolling Stones or the Beatles, and, like, you don't have to like either one of them. I don't, particularly. Or, you I, know. I like both, actually, to be honest God, with you. I fucking hate the Beatles. I like, I like the Beatles. A bunch um, of no-talent fucking hacks. Wow. Yeah. I went there. <laughs> wow. I sure did. Uh, and I will say I liked early Rolling Stones. Um, I thought the early Rolling Stones were, were much better than... Later Rolling Stones. Like, given the choice between the two, I'd rather listen to the Stones. But. And I thought that, I I think that the Beatles had talent. <sighs> they must have had talent because they. They got big here because they were different. Like, oh, they got, they're, they're from England. They got accents and shit. You know, Paul had... McCartney still has no talent. I don't give a fuck, dude. Well, like, yuck. That's what they, as they say, to each their own. You want talent? Tony Iommi from fucking Black Sabbath cut off the tips of two of his fingers that he would have actually used to like fret the neck of his guitar. Yeah. In a sheet metal factory and still played like that. Yeah. God damn. Well, I, I now um the uh, one of the blues guys, I can't remember if it was the guy the blind guy that I mentioned or if it was another guy, but one of the guys one guy that I, I heard it through a, um, 
a show I watch, that um, he became blind and he was a blues singer, or country or folkish singer or whatever it was. Ronnie Millsap. No, no, this guy became. Was, he was he, also blind. He was, he was a lot further behind. Yeah, you know, like. For earlier, like yeah. earlier than Ronnie Millsap, but Ronnie Millsap was blind. <laughs> yeah, uh, this he guy couldn't be- see shit. This guy was blind because his like sister or somebody threw lie in his eyes and blinded him. Isn't that how Ray Charles went blind? Or was he? He wasn't no. born blind. He went blind, didn't he, when he was a kid? Uh, I think Ray Charles was blind. Was he? Well, yeah, he was blind. Obviously, I but... think as a kid. I think no, I can't remember if he was born sure. blind or not. Though, hold on. I don't know. Was Ray Charles born blind? Ray Charles did not lose his sight until he was about seven years old. Uh, years later, doctors suggested it was juvenile glaucoma. Okay. I thought it was something, like, terrible, but, I mean, it was. But, uh, you know. Still, lose your sight at seven? Yeah, I mean, you got a long way to go without it. You'd get yeah. used to it, you know. Still, that's, you know, you're, you're, you have your sight for so long, and then you're yeah. getting into that, you know that stage of life where like you can play sports or something yeah. like that. And then never you even can't. saw boobs. Nope. Shit. Hey, I'm sure he felt them though. You can all like, I mean, look at tune Steve... him in and get the, get look, the feel for him. Look at Stevie wonder. I mean, he fucking got a hot yeah. wife. Or has uh, hot also wife. both immensely talented. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to take Very anything true. away from him. Fucking Ronnie Millsap. Motherfucker could play piano like real good for a blind yeah. guy too. Oh, also, uh, um, um, Elton John, the guy no, he was gay. He no, wasn't blind. <laughs> no, the guy from um, well, he he had a part in um Roadhouse. Um, he was a blind guy that played the uh, uh, guitar or something on his lap. Um, he actually was a singer. Had a band or was a part of a band. Um, I can't think of his name, but yeah, he was part of a band. Back in the eighties, I'm I'm drawing a blank. Jeff Healy, yeah, <clears throat> he's Canadian too, so he's at a, already at a disadvantage. <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, no, never mind. He's from Toronto. He's cool. He's just blind. That's all. <laughs> oh, oh, whoops. <laughs> he didn't have a disability like being from Quebec. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, that's my portion. So we're gonna take a break right here. And holy I'm, shit, like, we got to 53 minutes. I'm going to blow your mind because I'm going to talk about some fucking aliens. Oh, you fucking yeah. liar. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to take a break right here and we'll come back and we'll finish up with Kevin's. Yeah, this is apparently going to be a big episode. I guess so. Yeah, it's all good. All right, we're back. Um, like I mentioned, I'm going to talk about some aliens because this is one of the most fascinating alien encounters I've ever actually looked at. Okay. Um, Wait a minute. Beyond... Hopkinsville, yeah. Well, actually, it's, you didn't, you right didn't look there. at it. You heard about it because I yeah. talked about it. We both did because we uh, covered we both covered shit for that one. We did, yeah. I don't if you listened to your own show, motherfucker, you would know that. Listen, asshole. I still wouldn't remember it because quality was, control. I, quality control. I wouldn't still remember it because it was that long ago. Because you're once you hit fucking forty, your brain starts to shrink. Also, no, dickhead. It does scientifically. We, when yeah. we've covered two two hundred plus things, you know. Come on. I remember every episode we've done. I can't tell you numbers for them. Though. <laughs> you liar! I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, you're just weird like that. 
I have a stupid memory. It's where my autism lands is with this and fucking. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Baseball and guns, you know, and the thing that I've dedicated my life to for the last five years. It's hard to think about that. (laughs) Holy shit. Um, Anyway. But anyway, I have to give credit where it's due because I the only reason I heard about this encounter was from a show called the Kryptonaut podcast. Um, The guys are actually out of like upstate New York. Uh, When I say upstate New York and when Kevin says upstate New York, we mean like upstate, like you can almost see Canada from there. But these guys are from like just outside of Buffalo, I believe. That's not upstate. That's western New York. It's still way the fuck up there. I've been there. Like, Buffalo and fucking Niagara Falls are, like, right there. And Niagara well, Falls dude, goes into Canada. Well, when you're, a, like, the touch hole of the fucking state, yeah. But it's way the fuck up still. For people that consider that Albany far. upstate New York, it's upstate New York. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Human Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg, but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. Well, I don't know if it's that far up, but it's, it's up. Okay. It's up further than Albany where, you know, people from you okay. know, Long Island are like, listen, oh, I went upstate. Motherfucker, you not, went to Troy. You didn't go upstate. It's still, you went to Troy and almost got stabbed at a Sonic is what you did. It's still not Plattsburgh. It doesn't matter. It's still fucking up there. Okay. And when you have to drive from fucking there all the way south until you hit the Pennsylvania border, it's a long fucking drive. So. Well, that's not that far from. After you've already driven from here. Well, yeah, that's like fucking 11 hours or something. Yeah, shit it like sucks that. balls. All the way to fucking Buffalo. Yeah, to Buffalo and then to Pittsburgh. From I don't know there. why you went like that far. Because there was road work the other way and we couldn't go out through Binghamton. The easy way. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah. The second time I went down, I went that way. And then I drove from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia to get a cheesesteak and realized that everything that people have said negative about the city of Philadelphia is absolutely fucking true. Everybody there sucks. It's terrible. Never been there. It's gross. I'd still want to go just because I don't want to see, you know, Constitution Hall. Yeah, go for the history and have batteries thrown at you by assholes on the sidewalk. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Whatever, I'll throw them back. Yeah. Anyway, what are you talking Fucking about for uh, people? goddamn... We're going to talk about the Pascagoula River alien encounter. You just made that up. I didn't. Pascagoula is a real town. It's not far outside of Jackson, as a matter of fact. Mm. So we're going to head back to October 11th of 1973. Charles Hickson, 42 at the time, and Calvin Parker, 19 at the time, had just finished up their shift at the boatyard, and they wanted to go do some night fishing. It's a Saturday night out in, uh, <clears throat> out on the Pascagoula River, again, not far from Jackson, they're sitting on this old abandoned boat launch, you know, throwing lines, shooting the ship. Maybe they got a radio going. Maybe there's some Delta Dawn playing or, you know, bad, bad Leroy Brown. And yes, I had to look up songs from 1973 and I listened to both of those because they're both fucking amazing songs. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. So the sun is finally finished plunging into the horizon for the evening. And right about this time, Charlie Daniels is probably kicking in with Uneasy Rider. Uh, Another great fucking song. Honestly, 
I might come off as a hick for this. Charlie Daniels never recorded a bad song. And I've seen the man live. I watched him play a fucking fiddle with a drumstick and blow the strings off of it and then go get another one. Charlie Daniels was fucking awesome. Okay. I can't. You, I won't I say, you can't fight me on that. I, I mean, won't disagree. Because I, I will physically fight you. I don't. Hey, whatever, you know, like I say, to each their own, I will not argue I'll over music. I'll hit you music. with an air conditioner, dude. I will not <laughs> argue over music because guess what? Music is such a variety. People love, hate, whatever. I mean, and I. guess what? John Denver had some hit songs in here. Fuck And John I left Denver. him out for you. Fuck so, John Denver. Eat dicks. I hate I still like John Denver. I, I, um, I don't like John Denver, but, I, but hey, I still respect that you like John Denver. Right. Terrible pilot. True. So Hickson, at this point in time, sees the strangest thing he's ever laid eyes on. I was just getting ready to get some more bait when I, uh, when I heard kind of a zipping sound. I looked up and saw a blue flashing light. That's when Calvin turned around, too. We saw a 30-foot-long object with a little dome on top. They weren't the only people that saw this either because there was a guy a couple, you know, like a couple blocks from there that had gotten up at almost this exact time to go check his front door to make sure it was locked so he could go to bed. Because this is about, you know, 8, 8.30. This is a blue-collar work in town. People are going to bed early, getting up early. And okay. when he got to the door, he saw the same damn thing. He said, from what he said, he got a better look at it. said it kind of looked like a submarine, except it wouldn't have had a propeller at the end. It would have been rounded on both sides huh. with a dome on the top. So almost your classic, like, flying saucer shape, yeah. except the dome wasn't centered. It was actually more towards one end. So it would have been almost more like a, hmm. you know, like a, a ship, like a, a, I don't know, maybe more like a submarine where you have the periscope bubble yeah, would yeah, be at yeah. one end than the other instead of being in the Yeah, middle. I know. I, I get what you're saying. With a pair of uh, sailors, they're not sailors, they're fishermen. <laughs> With the pair of fishermen now paralyzed, looking at the hovering object, they notice three small creatures emerge, and they are hovering as well. Um, I think here is where I'm going to stop and throw in a chunk of this interview, and we'll, we'll have we'll listen to Char- uh, Charles Hickson tell the story himself, because it's just I think it's the right thing to do to hear it directly from the man, you know? Of course. Okay, so we'll play that right here. We were sitting on the other side of the pier with our, with our feet, you know over toward the river, fishing in, in the river. And the fish still wasn't biting, so I told Calvin, I said, well, you know, we might as well go home. But I guess that was when I heard it. It was some kind of zipping sound. And when I turned on around, in this area out here, about 40 or 50 feet out there, uh, there was some, some kind of craft, you know. It was it looked like it was going to come right onto the ground. But it, it came on down and hovered about oh, about a foot and a half or, or two feet off of the ground. But we didn't know what to do, you know. Uh, the river behind us and and uh, that out there, not knowing what it was. So, and then before we uh, had time to really do anything, it seemed like an open appeared. Uh, toward the end, it was, you know, toward us. And blue light it had blue flashing lights as it was you know approaching the ground but then they went out and when the opening appeared some source of light came from the inside it was just almost blinding of course we could see them in, in the in the opening coming from you know when it started out to craft but did I you think it tell. was people coming out at first well they, they had they had uh i, I kind of thought it was people at first you know off like that but of course when they when they appeared there in, in front of me 
Um, it was the most shock I've ever had in my life. What, what did you see? Um, well, they, they, they were, they were shorter than me. I'd say about five foot two or three, and they didn't have a neck. They, they had, it seemed to come directly to their shoulders, and they had something that uh, came out to a point about where a, a nose would be, and and on each side the ears. And I believe that they looked like they were a little longer on the ears than the nose. But still pointed the. They ears. were still pointing, yes. But it seemed to me when they came out that doorway or that opening or whatever it was, then just almost instantly they were right there on us. And uh, their arms, they had arms, it, and I saw the arms moving here and, and in the shoulders, but they had welb. I mean, their, their fingers were welb, and then they had something like a thumb, and they were like this. Mm -hmm. They had me uh, one on this arm like this, and on the other one, you know, they had my other arm like that. And they just, I just seemed to lift up to the same height they were off the ground. And, and we just moved into the crowd. Now inside, how did they how did they lay you out? Do you remember how it happened? Um, yes, uh, they. I didn't see any tables or chairs or anything mm -hmm. in there. I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't in there because the light was almost blinding, but I didn't see any. And when they when they carried me inside, they seemed to to just lean me back, you know. And uh, this this eye, well, I keep referring to it as an eye, and it moved up to, in front of me about this close. Mm -hmm. And it started right at my eyes, looking me right in the eye. Uh -huh. And it seemed to, it hesitated there for a, a, a few seconds, and it just started moving over my entire body. When they, they brought me uh, from the craft that, that along this area here, and they seemed to, they didn't drop me, you know, they just released me back to the ground. And uh, I fell. I, I don't know why my, my legs were weak. I don't know why it was the, the fright or what it was, but I, I fell onto the ground. And that's when I seen Calvin. He's standing right over here in this area, and he was standing facing the river with his arms outstretched like that, just like he was staring at something. All right, so what do you make of that? Because we obviously we had to listen to it separately from our listeners because it's just too much of a pain in the ass to do yeah, it the other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, that was kind of interesting. You, do you find him to be believable? Yeah. Okay, good. I mean, he kind of... Uh... The, the description and everything that he he gave you know of it was rather interesting but it was kind of a, a it was the shortest of quote-unquote abduction because he really really wasn't abducted he was just hey come on the fucking ship and then uh you know we're gonna you're gonna be on here for like two minutes and then we're gonna get you back off they were he he figures they were gone about a half an hour yeah not really like I mean, not that long but you know, maybe they, maybe this particular flavor of aliens has got this shit down to a science, and they're like, "Ah, oh, no, we know what we're doing." But the, the, the we're here for them. the white stuff. We're here to put stuff in your butt. Out the door. Yeah, the fucking like, speedy lube of alien abductions. And he, and, and he like kind of know knew like every step of it, kind of like uh, Travis Walton, right? And you know, when he mentions the hands were weld, the best way to explain it is. Anybody that's played the old Grand Theft Auto games, the character's hands, like when you see them in a cutscene where they're kind of like yeah. curved with a thumb out and they're like talking like that, that's what he means by weld. Mm. Almost like if it were a uh, a scoop kind of deal. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, So anyway, we, we left off with them where they have been returned back to the dock. And well, obviously he has. they both were. Because tra uh, um, Parker was back there. He was standing on the edge of the water with his hands straight up in the air, just like fucking staring 
Like they kind of like set him back down and he hadn't, hadn't, uh, you know, oh. he was still buffering. <laughs> oh, so he got brought up too. Yeah. They grabbed both of them. Oh, oh, see, I didn't hear, I guess I didn't hear that part. Yeah. They, they that... snagged both of them. Okay. So now thoroughly confirmed, uh, Thoroughly confused and freaked out, they run to the police, as you do. Yep. And after the police make sure that they weren't drunk and hadn't been smoking dope, they just send them on their way, treating this story as stories back then got treated like this. You know, and uh, actually, from the same news clip, I have a, a, a clip of what the sheriff had to say about this whole thing. And I think here's the good place to put the, throw this in. You're going to fucking love this. It's incredible. Okay. Sheriff Diamond, can you tell me just what happened that night? No, sir, I can't. All I can tell you is it was two men came into the sheriff's department approximately 8.30 and 9 o'clock. They were all excited and upset. Wanting to climb the walls. Hysterical, crying. That's actually all I know is what happened. As far as me seeing what happened, I don't know. Can you tell me what happened? Nope. Sure fucking can't. No. <laughs> Which is just like, that's that's typical for back then. Because even if he believed these guys, he wouldn't have believed these guys. Yeah, of course. So the next real big thing that happens is later in that year, a couple of big city fellas come into town. Uh, one being a doctor and one being a scientist. Uh, they were Dr. James Harder, which I thought was a fun name. And J. Allen goddamn Hynek come rolling into town. Wait, I've heard of Harder. You sure? F- uh, you've heard, definitely heard of fucking uh, J. Allen Hynek. I know that. I know I've heard of Harder, I think, too. Okay. So J. Allen Hynek was a, a consultant to... Basically, he was a consultant to Project Blue Book uh-huh. when it first started. Um. Started off hardcore skeptic, didn't believe a fucking thing of this. It was all made up. It was all swamp gas. It was all uh, weather balloons, all that. And then he kind of has a change of heart. He has he has a few encounters that people tell him that he can't pass by. Oh, the, well, the more and more. Yeah. I mean, the more stories you hear, you know, and how... You know, there probably is more, you know, a lot of similarities between... And then there's stuff that you can't explain away other than just going, huh, I don't know. But he actually went on to uh, found the Center for UFO Studies in 1973. He also coined the term Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And he was also the basis for a character in the movie that would be made later on of the same name that went on to gross $20 million in 1977 in the box office. Yes fucking Avengers can suck it. This made more money than like all of them combined. If you account for inflation, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, really been, it's been a minute. Uh, that in cocoon. I haven't seen cocoon in movie. years. Holy shit. I like the second one too. Um, I do know that fucking, um, if you ever get a chance to watch fire in the sky, which is the, the Travis Walton uh-huh. movie has one of these scariest goddamn alien abduction scenes True. you'll ever see in it. It is fucking horrifying yeah it like for being an older movie it's still scary uh-huh you know very it's much fucked like, uh, i think i think yeah uh, it was the aliens that really I mean, it was completely fictionalized but jesus christ was it crazy yeah 
Of course. So, Dr. Uh, Dr. Harder actually took some notes. And I'm going to talk about some of the some of the key things that he mentions here. I just did little bullet points just because there wasn't a lot on it. Um, key novel features. One, cessation of sensation upon contact, which means as soon as they made physical contact with the entities, they went completely numb. Huh. They couldn't feel anything. They couldn't react. They couldn't talk. Yeah. Um, two, floating along, uh, along one foot... Mm, floating alongside them one foot off the ground. Three, crab-like arm appendages, two pincers of equal size. So I automatically think like old-timey, like B-movie sci-fi, like robo-claws. Yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, possible suggestions, they were robot... Do, uh, they were robot due to their lack of, of usual eye structure, pincers on arms, and possible fused lower limbs. So their lower legs, when they walked, were kind of like real stiff. Uh-huh. Um, no, no joints in the lower legs. After they touched them, they felt nothing but weightlessness. Uh, Dr. Harder's attorney, Joe Kalingo, described the men as looking, quote, scared to death, as frightened as two adult men have ever been scared. And that's from a fucking lawyer whose profession is to be a shitbag and try to scare people. Well, how does Harder's... I, well, that right come like okay how does Har- how does harder's attorney know what they because his, his attorney was with them oh. in case they needed any legal representation okay. and a, you know now's where it gets a little bit weird too like a little bit weirder i should say okay uh philip mantle who is a former director of investigations for the british ufo research association managed to obtain the file containing these handwritten notes that we've just gone over and where the twist comes in here is he says that many of Professor Hynek and Dr. Harder's other notes and tapes from this case were in the box that he purchased. Then one day he went to check on, he went to go through everything. And after looking at his inventory of what was in the box, shit was missing. And the box had gone from where he purchased it into his car from his car into his house. When he brought it into his house, everything was in there. And then a few weeks later, he went to check things over and there's shit missing. Hmm. So where does that make your brain go? You know? Huh? Either a, some, I mean, two places. Somebody, I mean, somebody got in and took it. Mm hmm. You know, that was, didn't want the information to get out. Or, hmm. I was going to say maybe they've kind of vanished, you know, from extraterrestrial means. But that I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that one. Same difference as the first one, basically. I think it's just, you know, somebody broke into his house and didn't want that information that's where I landed too. To be put out. Yeah. That was good information. That was gonna kind of men know. in black with bad ang- accents yeah. and tea stained teeth. Yeah. yeah, kinda was gonna I think it was kinda like gonna bring more light to everything. Oh yeah, guarantee it. You know. There was probably notes in there that mm, powers that be wouldn't want out. You know what I mean? 
So overnight, this became a national news story. Mm. There were com- uh, there were news conferences and cameras all over this tiny little town. Um, a quote UFO investigator from Northwestern University flew down uh, to see and said their story checked out. That was from a newspaper where they don't name J. Allen Hynek as the UFO investigator, which is exactly who it fucking was. Hmm. So, um, skeptics called them liars and said that, Hick- uh, that Hickson had uh, an episode of sleep paralysis with hippogognic hallucinations, while Parker was, quote, highly suggestible because he was only a teenager. Okay. You know, he was only 19 in 1973, so it means he's highly suggestible. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a hardworking kid. He's out working on the fucking docks. He's, you know, busting his dick to make some money. Yeah. You know. Believers flood into Pascagoula by the thousands, wrapped in aluminum foil and sitting all night on the hoods of their cars. When they say aluminum foil, they mean like the fucking yeah. you know, the emergency blankets, which look like aluminum foil. But yes. um, So they sat there all night just kind of star searching and seeing if they noticed anything moving around. Both men, and this is important, both men passed multiple lie detector tests. Um, at one point in time, they had three separate lie detector companies come in the same day. They would test one. He would go to the next one. They would test the other. He'd go to the next one, and they would go down the line. Jeez. Oh, they both passed completely. There was no sign of mistruth or, misinfor- or you know misdirection or anything like that. They both uh-huh. passed every single question that was asked of them. The only lie that was actually told was that Parker, when he was interviewed by the Sun-Herald in 2018, he had been interviewed before that in the meantime and was like, basically told him, I don't remember what happened. But in 2018, when he sat down with his other newspaper, he had a change of heart and he's like, yeah, I remember exactly what happened. And he told the same fucking story as Charles Hickson. We are brought into this craft. I couldn't do anything when I was on there. Except the only difference was he didn't end up landing back on the dock. He recalled being, you know, Hickson grabbing him and shaking him while he had his arms straight up in the air, just staring at the sky and going like, what the hell happened, basically? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, huh. But so. the reason the reason he for so long claimed to not remember anything is because he was afraid that the uh, aliens had infected him with something. Um, okay. And when he got home from the sheriff's department, he took a bath in bleach, which is not super good for your skin. Oh, burn. <laughs> Within a few weeks, he fled Pascagoula. Uh, he got married, picked up work on an oil, in the oil field, so he went west at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and he got to the point where if someone he worked with recognized him, or they're like, you look like that guy, he would just fucking quit. No notice, quit move out of town, find somewhere else because he was trying to get so far away from it because he didn't want to be known as that guy that was abducted by aliens, you know, yeah, yeah, because yeah. He, everybody think you're a fucking maniac. So in March, as the city was uh, discussing plans for the marker, new witness testimony emerged, um, uh, telling the Mississippi Clarion ledger. There was a, on the night in question, this gentleman saw the unidentified flying craft. Like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. he noticed the flashing blue lights, and he said that uh, he kept all these secrets for years because he was afraid that people would treat him differently if they knew that he saw something, too. Um, 
one of the other people that saw this was Maria uh, Blair that told the Clarion Ledger, quote, the story is very true. That's uh, that's what that's what has bothered me for 45 years. It's been on my mind for 45 years. So th- this this affected a lot of people. Um, obviously, the two guys that were actually physically abducted more than others. Yeah. But um, yeah, huh. so that's the that's the Pascagoula aliens, man. Huh. Now, the only other problem I'm running into here is with our artwork for the episode. Okay. Where our road work, our road work, our uh, road trip episodes, I always just do a flag, like yeah. the state flag. Mississippi's may be an issue. Because <laughs> I'm not sure that they've adopted their new flag yet. And the other one is uh, one big white stripe, one big red stripe, and a little itty bitty Confederate flag up in the corner. <laughs> so I don't care. if that offends anybody, tough shit. It's a flag. Get over it. Yeah. They lost the fucking war. That's why it's not a full-size flag anymore. Exactly. So, anyway, holy Jesus. Go over and join us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Dark Windows Podcast. Give us $5 a month. It gets you access to our entire back catalog. Yes. And all the new shit we're going to do. Yep. Um, This week's is going to be a little different. Okay. Some people may be like, this is not what I signed up for. But at the same time, kind of, it's a, it's some con artisty shit, but there's also some other stuff that's kind of like a niche market that some people might not be into. Um, I just, I saw the story and I was like, that's fascinating. I'm going to do that for Patreon at some point. Uh, but yeah, other than okay. that, Kevin, headphones. Yeah. yeah. Headphones, Boom. bitch. Headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker. Head on over to studio.com. Find what you want, put it in your basket, go to checkout, and put the promo code of DARKWINDOWS15. Okay, the way you said headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker was like the same cadence that's used in the Pepto-Bismol commercials. <laughs> nausea, upset, uh, nausea, diarrhea, upset stomach, shit like that. It, it was oh. fun. Okay. I'm tired, goddammit, and I thought it was funny. Okay, okay, whatever. Okay. That's fine. I'm tired, too. Anyway. So, yeah, put the promo code of DARKWINDOWS15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. Also... Do yourself a favor, do the little, uh, you know, social media stuff for us. Yep. Go on over to, you know, Twitter, Facebook. Fuck Twitter. All that Facebook good stuff. Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> you know, in Twitter inst- and Instagram are Dark Windows Pod. Yep. Facebook, Dark Windows Podcast. Yep. I honestly don't even post it to Twitter anymore. Okay. Like, nobody gives a shit. That's fine. Fuck Twitter. Um, yeah. And, um... Rate, review, subscribe. Yes. All that shit. Whenever you can. You can't leave reviews everywhere, but you can leave a review on our Facebook page. Yeah. Not the group, but the page. You can leave a review there. You've got it, Mr. And if you leave a review, and you leave a good review, and you mention a topic in it, we'll do that topic. So... We haven't had any takers yet. Motherfucker, do that for me for next week. Oh, badass. Oh, no. Okay. Easy enough. I'm doing a badass. You've rolled it twice for the same thing now. It's happening. That's three. Okay. We already did cryptids the last two weeks. Well, roll for me for the week after. So I do a badass. Kevin, do a history. I think we can manage this. Okay. So, man, oh, man, do I have a list. So. Just because you can't stay out in the dark? What is it? I know. <laughs> Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. Good night. Yeah, good luck. <laughs>